0: coming up matt has done some stuff on ice i've not done basically anything at simon does, where we get uh, photos that are going to have a lasting impression for the both of us master class take a bit of a departure from what we've been suffering last quarter of a year very very good questions from uh, some patreon pleasures and then we end the biggest sporting event since super bowl episode 76 is next you cannot Konnichiwa, this is You Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com BLFS and show us how much you love us. And that is is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash blfs because we're here to make you a better sports photographer news
1: news here at news both for you and i will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month and we talk about ourselves because we like to
0: the last time we recorded this was the end of december 2018 so probably it's quite fitting for us to say uh happy new year very late already february but it is a happy new year from us to you hope it's going to be a good year for everyone macon would you mind telling us what happened to you the good and the bad in january of 2019
1: uh, i've only been shooting hockey since we recorded last and Funny thing is I was really dreading shooting the all-star game. I thought it was just going to be a logistical disaster and that I would have to shoot from somewhere that I didn't want to shoot from because there would be a million photographers there. That didn't really happen at all. They controlled everything perfectly, and I had a really good shot, uh, a really good spot to shoot. The wait,
0: wait, wait. What What all-star
1: game? Oh, yeah, the NHL all-star game.
0: What's What's NHL?
1: National Hockey League. There you go. Okay. You got to break it down for realize, people who don't know what it is. I didn't realize we had yeah, to go yeah, down yeah. that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yes, the National Hockey League All Star Game, which this year was in San Jose, which is part of the places that I cover. So, anyway, uh, I went down there for two nights. I shot the skills competition, which is they have like a speed skating and a hardest shot and agility and I don't know, passing or something, and then goalies. So, It was actually really cool i had a really good spot on the ice uh, looking directly at one of the goals and it was really cool they had some uh, canadian national team and u.s national team women there who were competing alongside the guys and that was kind of like a revolutionary thing because the the woman that was doing the speed skating came within a second of winning and the woman who was in the passing thing would have won it if it was official so That was kind of history-making, and I got good pictures of both of them. I don't know. A bunch of really great players were there, and it ended up being a great experience. And usually you know, people are listening to this and saying, well, duh, of course it was. But usually all-star games, playoff games, championship games are just a mess. There's just way too many people trying to shoot from way too few positions, and then you have other media and league people and whatever, and it just ends up getting really messy. And this wasn't like that at all. The access was perfect, even during, like, the press conferences. Yeah, it was really cool, top to bottom. I didn't have any bad shoots at all. The, I guess the bad is that I've been in the office most days doing paperwork and redoing my archive and tagging and things like that. And that's definitely not the fun part of photography. So I think that would qualify as my worst.
0: I was just um, looking at my calendar for January, and I haven't, like, done anything. <laughs> Like I've not, I've done some like portrait shoots for magazine. I, w- I did like two or three of them, but that's about it. So I didn't really do like the actual sports stuff. Um, By the time you hear this, I should be going to two Champions League games. But yeah, I haven't done really like anything since my disastrous horse shoot. So the good is that I guess I haven't done anything. I really haven't done anything like at all i was quite uh i mean like i think the whole thing was a bit of um not like mean, like mop-up duty but i need to kind of like take care of all the administrative stuff for the book and that has gone well it was much better uh logistically than it was four years ago stat so and now that's basically finished like i can kind of move on with my life and uh, not really think about anything more after that um the other thing is that uh the bad is that i didn't shoot i guess and when I kind of get this thing that I don't shoot sports, so like, you know, shooting portraits is a different thing. Like I really kinda of wanna be in that environment, like that crazy, you know, just everyone cheering and just shit going crazy, like that environment. And since I've haven't done it in like in a month, like I'm kinda of getting like this really weird like reverse cabin fever. don't oh, know no, it's cabin fever. Yeah, it is cabin fever. <laughs> um, I need to like get out and like do something, but like do like shoot sports. So I was recently in uh, Munich, um, shooting one of the climbers over there for a day because I wanted to go and shoot her, and then she was kindly, uh, she was kind enough to let me do it. But I was like thinking, like my God, like I want to go shoot football, which has never really happened to me, you know. I'm quite happy that yeah, the the will is there and the motivation is there, and now it will be quite you know for next month or so. Because we have quite a lot of uh, Champions League games coming up. That will be quite a bit of a crazy thing. And I'm looking forward to it. And that's like the lamest, like, the best and the worst of the month I think I've ever actually had. Because I have nothing else to say.
1: I'd like, to, nothing, know, I'd like to know more about Reverse Cabin Fever. Reverse Cabin Fever.
0: Like, you're outside and you need to come back inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think things will start kind of happening towards the end of february oh no no, actually no no sorry next week yeah i need need to get out man like i need to actually go and do some work but i do actually have some like plans for the future um i will do a football high school football shoot like i did like a couple years ago like i went up north in hokkaido which is a very cold part of japan and i did it um i i shot there during the winter when it's snowing a lot and I'll do the, the reverse this summer. I will go to Okinawa, which is the uh, south of Japan. Summer. It's is very, very hot. And I will shoot a high school team over there. And, uh, yeah, on the long-term thing, like, yeah, I think I might actually say, like, I'm going to start doing some uh, amputee football league. Because they will probably, most likely, be in the next, not the next Olympics, but the next the one after, which is in Paris in 2024. So, Matt will probably be dead And I'll probably like Be half dead by then So we don't know If we're gonna actually be there But yeah That's my plan And that's about it though I don't want to actually Drag this on any longer Because there's so much Great stuff we have to talk about So um Hold on to Your iPhone speakers iPhone speakers? Hold on to whatever like (laughs) listening device you have We shall come back And this is what happened We don't record for like Over two months Yeah that's bad Over a month We'll come back And see you soon Give you an assignment, and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off, and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. Before we get to this penultimate uh, colors section of assignment desk, that we've gone, we've probably done it for like basically quarter of the year. We've been doing the same assignment desk. Uh, Matt has some at- announcements. I have some <laughs> announcements, and then that's it. So Matt Colwood, your announcement.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be doing some more workshops this year. So if you're interested in coming out, um, the next one is going to be in April and it's going to be in California at a school for kids and I don't know, I guess adults too, to learn how to ride bulls and horses, bucking horses that is, um, in Marysville, California. It's April 22nd and 23rd. Um, I, I did these last year. Um, they were some of the best things that I did last year, just watching people learn and getting to teach hands-on was really one of my favorite things I did last year. This school is great. It's a whole day or two days if you want. And you get right up close, um, outside the fence, but shooting through the fence, you know, all the bucking horses and bucking bulls that you can possibly shoot. And if you want to Come to these if you want to get more information. You can go to mattcohenphoto.com slash workshops and sign up for more information there.
0: I can't say I've attended any of Matt Cohen's workshop, but from people who have attended, they said they're good. So, and I, I, I trust these people. So, yeah. If you're in the area and if you want to learn from the Matt Cohen who might die by the time the... Paris Olympics is there. Probably it's one of the few times you're going to be able to actually learn from it because you never know, huh? you know, you got to kind of like live for now. So please go to com and yeah, have a chat with them and see if you can get in. Um, my portion of the announcement is that I am still selling my book. So just so you know, it's nohands2.com and this is a World Cup. So football, soccer um, that was held last year in 2018, blah, blah, blah. Um, The other thing was Critical Beatdown. So Critical Beatdown, like we haven't had it for a while. No idea why. Because I think it's one of our best services that we offer. It is expensive because compared to what you pay for Patreon every month, which is $10, this is $100 up front. And what we do is that you give us about 10 to 15 photos, um, your best portfolio uh, images, and then we will talk about it uh, on video. So it's only your photos and we'll talk about it. So 10 15 images about uh, like an hour or so. but we it doesn't will- have to be
1: your portfolio either. It can be specific sport, it can be something that you were trying. it can be any 10 or 15 pictures you want. There's no uh, we don't limit it as far as the scope.
0: Yeah. and it's like like a beefed up version of training ground. It's only we just talk just about you for like an entire hour and my God. That's a, that's a great thing. You know, someone just talking about you all the time. Um, so if you are interested, uh, you can always e- email us at it's helpme at biglensfastshutter.com.
1: Yeah, usually we do. We make these public um, The for, I don't know, reasons that we're not going to get into. We couldn't make this one public. Uh, but I did want to share a little bit about... Uh, the photographer and what he said after he watched it he said as a long time blfs fan i knew i was going to get dinged for cutting off limbs or for the goalie's face being not totally sharp etc as usual however i did not foresee all of your comments and this is what makes blfs worth the cost of admission for me i will absolutely be working on your suggestions i think this is the important part only ryu and i know what's going on in our heads and only we can provide our experiences you know to the critique. So you can listen to us and you can say, Oh, yeah, I know that I cut off a limb here, and you might fixate on that. But you also might not realize that the rest of the picture has problems or that the rest of the picture is awesome. And all you need to do next time is not cut things off awkwardly. So, you know, for for a training ground where you only have one or two pictures in there, there's a limit to really how much help you can get for something like that. The reason we charge for this is that it's specific to you. And you're going to get a breakdown of all of these pictures. And it's not just we like this or we don't like this or do this or do that. It's really a breakdown. Like we take apart the picture and show you what's working, what's not working, and things to think about for the next time. And so while it is more expensive than if you just support us on Patreon, I would say that it's far, far more valuable to have somebody actually breaking down these pictures and saying, this is what you need to do differently. This is what works Synthesize all those together go out the next time and show us what you have maybe in training ground after that but There's you know, this is the kind of thing where if you're shooting something new if you're trying something new There's really no better way to figure out if it's if it is working or isn't working and get you further down the path than Doing a critical beatdown with us
0: So that's it about with the critical beatdown um, Yeah, you can always just contact us and discuss, you know, um, how you actually want to This to be done. Um, We encourage people to actually come out public with critical beatdown, so everyone can basically like see like what we have what we have to say about your pictures. But we um, do want to make our clients very happy. So if you decide not to make it public, that's absolutely fine as well. I know that's not it because we need to assign a desk. Time at Dusk yes. yes It was Colors And uh, You didn't disappoint Dude no, It's all shit <laughs> It's all Really bad So The really You know The good, good example We had last time Was um, What's his name uh, Toronto Maple Leafs Canadian Hockey What's his name Kevin Yes Kevin Sosa <laughs> He did the one with a very, very blue one, and that was a very striking blue, and that was what we kind of wanted. Like, we wanted color to be the main, you know, kind of, like, the main, like, driving force of your picture, you know? Like, that's, like, what you see, like, when people see, like, oh, wow, that, that blue. As you can also see, um, if you want to follow us, you can go to flicker.com uh, and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter. You'll find our page, and there's a thread on this uh, episode's assignment desk. Whatever, not what, not whatever. Like, but like, it's, it's a bit sad because we've done it for like three months, you know, quarter of a year, and then we end up with this.
1: Yeah, we're not really any closer to what we were looking for than in the beginning, and I think that, I don't know, maybe that's on us, but it doesn't really feel like it. Um, and and I think I was thinking about it this way when I was looking at these pictures. I think that what people are doing is they're just going out and shooting and then they're looking later and saying, oh, this has a lot of color in it. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out and shoot and think about what we're saying every time. But what I am saying is, you know, okay, so you're going to shoot and you have this opportunity. Don't spend the whole thing just shooting it straight up. Don't just shoot for stock. Don't just shoot for a cover or something like that. You need to be trying things every time. You need to be taking risks that maybe you don't get something. And I'm not saying you need to do it for a whole game or even for a whole half or something like that. But if you're going to shoot a hockey game, there's three periods. Take one period and try something different. Go somewhere you wouldn't go. Shoot with the lens you wouldn't shoot with. You know, try to maybe concentrate on panning or a low angle or something like that. And the same for anything else. Even if it's ten minutes of of a of a football match or whatever an inning or two of baseball there's always time that you can say okay i'm just gonna if something crazy happens during this i'm just gonna take the loss because i'm trying to make myself a better and more diversified photographer you can't just go out and shoot and then hope you got something that's exceptional after you really have to put the work in and putting the work in definitely means taking a risk that you're not going to get a straight-up action picture while you're doing this, right? so a good example when I was i don't know not first getting started but trying to make the jump from competent photographer to good photographer, I went to i think it was an earthquakes soccer game, and it was a really boring game. There was just two teams that weren't i don't know they just weren't interested in attacking at all, and so what I did was I just put my camera on like a twentieth of a second or something like that and just shot a whole half like that just. Not even necessarily panning, just accepting the blur or panning, you know, against the, the run of play or something, just to try to get something a lot different. And I think that um, it's really important to, to take those kind of risks. It doesn't have to be panning, but it can be anything, but devote some time in your next shoot to doing something like that and you know maybe it's colors maybe it's something else but you really have to go for it it's not just a case of go out and shoot and then look for something that might fit what we're doing here you can't do it that way it doesn't work in reverse you have to this has to be a purposeful kind of thing and what i'm seeing here is there's no purpose really to any of this it's just what you what you would be shooting otherwise you know like a A motorcycle going around a a snow track or something like that there's the only color is the helmet well that's where you would expect the only color to be i'm talking about getting up close and making the whole thing about the helmet or making the whole thing about the background where there's no color and just a tiny little bit of color somewhere like you really have to look for the edges of all of this because that's where the interesting stuff is going to come and i'm not seeing any of that in any of these entries
0: all right well that's enough really because i don't want to get into it um yes you guys are full of disappointments and that's good you know like i mean like without disappointments like we wouldn't have a business doing this podcast actually so
1: yeah please do continue we are gonna we are (laughs) gonna come back to this you know for sure Uh, we're gonna come back to it not not right now but you know i don't know save up a couple months of shoots and actually go out and try to get pictures that would work for this and then you can put them in when we do it another time but I want to see people taking more risks than this it it just it never fails that people are happy with the most basic of pictures and they stop there you really have to push through that if you want to get noticed if you want to do something that people are going to talk about that people are going to not scroll past and that's really what all of this is now everybody's looking at it on their phones everybody's scrolling through feeds all the time you are not going to get people to stop if the only color in the picture is somebody's helmet from 40 yards away or something like that. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Like you really, you have to make pictures that grab people's attention. And those pictures are found when you're taking risks on the edge, not when you're just making straight up action pictures. I, tr- I promise, I promise this is the case.
0: That's it with assignment desk. But I just also wanted to like, thank there were some uh, new Patreon pledge people and I wanted to say thank you to Robert Dahlberg or Bob Dahlberg or Bobby Dalberg or thank you Robert. You're a very very nice person. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Also Doug and Doug is just Doug. Like Pele. Like mess Meth- no wait no Ronaldo. Yeah like Pele. Couldn't think of anyone else. Or Zico. Just Doug. So Doug, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, if you are interested in giving us money because we do such an excellent job of making you feel like shit on a Monday morning, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS. And that is is dot slash BLFS. And now, next month, or this month really, assignment desk is Matt Cohen. What is it? Symmetry. Not cemetery, you know? not like when people go to die or something. Like no, 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 not that. Just like you have to, get to explain it now, Matt. I don't
1: hey. know. I, you know, if uh, if there's if somebody's playing a sport in a cemetery, we will also accept that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So originally it started out as balance. Um, I think that people don't understand that. You know, if you have a picture that has something on one side and you have just a bunch of empty space on the other side it's probably not going to look as good as it should so i was thinking about you know the the composition of it and arranging things in the frame and ryu decided that we were going to kind of further that and and talk about symmetry so what we're talking about is when either the top half of the frame looks like the bottom half or the right side looks like the left side you know any way you want to do it diagonally it doesn't matter But what we're talking about is things that look the same on one side as they do on the other side, like a visual echo kind of thing. Or if you're just looking at a picture of one person, that's one thing. But if you're looking at a picture of two people and those people are the same distance from each other and the same distance from the edges, it looks neat and clean. I call these kind of architectural pictures where you're building the picture out of parts and you're building it so that it looks, you know, aesthetically pleasing and it's balanced and symmetrical and that's what we're talking about here so does that mean that it needs to be a sports action picture no it definitely doesn't um you know just as far as symmetry goes um an example from one of my recent shoots at the at the all-star game there were one of the skills competitions was you had to take a puck and weave in and out of uh these little cones and the cones i was framing them so that the cones ran along the bottom of the frame and they stopped on one side and they stopped on the other side. And I was trying to get the player to be right in the middle of all of this. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work, but you're taking, you know, it could be the goal. It could be the hurdle in the steeplechase, but look for places where you can get symmetry. Like the the most basic one of this is two players, right? But see if you can push beyond that. See if you can make it three-dimensional See if you can use symmetry with two things that aren't exactly the same, like a player. And, uh, you know, if you get really low, it could be a player on one side of it and a cone on the other side of it. Um, But what we're looking for is pictures that, and again, it doesn't need to be an action picture, but pictures that are about sport that have some kind of symmetry to them. And this is definitely something that you need to plan for. You're not going to get this accidentally, I don't think. Devote. Some time, whether it's 10 minutes of a soccer match or a period of uh, hockey or a quarter of basketball or something, but definitely try to devote some time to definitely satisfying this one.
0: Hopefully it's, uh, it's going to work out this time. If you don't understand, like quite understand what we're talking about, I think you should just like look at, you can just like type in symmetry uh, and photo and you'll find a lot of examples on uh, Google image search. And uh, it should be interesting Um, It's really not that difficult to do Just make sure like What's on the left And what's on the right um, Is kind of the same So it's like a mirror image Can I say mirror image? I can't say mirror image, right? Yeah Yeah, it's a mirror image Alright, so that's uh, That's with the assignment desk And we will go And Oh, wait, that was masterclass As well, wasn't it? We just kind of did both Yeah. Yeah We just did both So, we'll see you um, shortly after these messages from our sponsors This is your time of the month to ask us questions for free if you've been paying money to us. If you are a bit jealous of all these questions being asked, um, like the people you get to ask questions if you pay us. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS. This is from uh, North of Tassie. I stopped taking pictures for a few years and bought a used 300mm 2.8 lens during that time. I previously used a 7200 uh, to see a lot of the field and zoomed in as needed before taking a picture with a 300 it's difficult to see the flow of uh, flow of play while looking through the viewfinder. Therefore, I'm reacting instead of anticipating. Can I please ask if there are any tips for amateur photographers trying to learn to use longer fixed lenses? Thank you. It's a really good question. It might be one of the best questions we've ever had. This like I like it's, it is. I don't mind answering technical yeah. questions, but like hey, like what do you think about this lens? Like no, like yeah. this is like exactly the type of questions you want to know because it's pertaining really to a sports photography thing because we use long lenses and we try to like capture things that are moving quite fast Voila. so matt cohen
1: we've covered long lens technique i don't know in either in blog posts or in previous podcast episodes but years ago like very very early in the run so um we are going to answer this but you can go back and look through the archives um for long lens posts. This is a great question. I agree with Ryu 100%. I had also shot with a 70 to 200 for quite a while before I bought my first longer lens. And for me it was a 400. Uh I got a 400 before a 300, but it's all it's all the same really. And it is difficult, for, no question about it, if you're used to shooting wide and seeing everything and you know being able to compose that way, Going to a significantly longer lens definitely makes that difficult. I think the, the the most simple way I can say to do this is have both of your eyes open, so you're you know you're looking through the viewfinder, but don't close. You're not like for me, I look through the viewfinder with my left eye. I'll leave my right eye open also, so that I can kind of see the other things that are happening outside. So I've trained myself to be able to incorporate data from. Um, you know, two different perspectives at the same time. This definitely takes practice, no question about it. But if you do this, it gives you kind of, well, certainly a much wider perspective. So you're you're kind of matching that 70 millimeter look if you're looking out your non-dominant eye. And so you can kind of see which direction things are moving and that you can start to incorporate that. There isn't, you know, I can't snap my fingers and say, oh, just do it this way, you know, just flip this switch and do it. You are going to have to either get better at anticipating what's going on just by body language or something, which I also do from time to time, you know, trying to read which way a horse is going to go or which way a rider is going to go or something like that. You know, that comes with experience, but it's also experience teaching yourself how to how to figure out the cues, I guess, is, is the best way to do it. The cues of which way the action is going. And for me, looking through my non-dominant eye over top of the camera was, was definitely the way to go because... You know, if you can if you can teach yourself to see what's going on in the viewfinder and also outside of it, that incorporated together, those things can make you more efficient um, with where you're pointing the lens and how you're composing at that point. And I guess the you know the other thing is figure out where your hand, you you want to have a hand on the lens and a hand on the camera at the same time, right? You don't want to have two hands on the camera; it just makes it more difficult to uh, make those fine kind of adjustments. And this is also a hand-eye coordination thing. So you have your your right hand on the, the camera body itself and your finger on the shutter button. Some people put their hand on the top. Some people put it on the bottom. Some people hold on to the side of the hood. That just kind of makes it easier to make very precise adjustments and track action. So those are my two things. Leave your non-dominant eye open and have one hand on the camera and one hand on the lens. And then the more comfortable you are shooting any given sport the more you'll be able to read those cues incorporate all that information and help you track the action and compose simultaneously
0: i started out with 300 and i moved to 400 just because 300 was too short i still miss it because i like to have a 300 um i've been kind of like mean to try out the 300 f4 because i heard it's really really good and it's light as well it's small but i haven't my tip I mean like same thing like what Matt said about opening both of your eyes is very very important my I look through my right eye and I have my left eye open it's also like kind of important to like understand like how the game works the game that you're shooting whatever it is like uh, I don't know what you're shooting but um, if you know it very very well you can because you said you're reacting in certain instead of anticipating. So you need to like probably figure out a bit more about the game in itself so you know what's going to happen next before it happens. Obviously, it's not going to be 100%. But if you understand what's going on, uh, you can really anticipate a lot of things and make your life a lot easier. I really like when I shoot most of the time, um, when I shoot football, It's I only pretty much use 400 <laughs> i've kind of gotten used to like i like the way it looks like when they get closer and closer to me is i can cut off a lot of things and try to like you know make it look um better than you know just a normal 7200 shot that you see all the time in front of goal but i also try to like it's it does become more and more difficult as they come closer to you because it's just you know it just does so yeah i mean like i try to do anticipate sometimes i you know i kind of not guess but I anticipate correctly sometimes i don't and that you kind of have to like do quite a lot of shoots to kind of get into a comfort zone with how your equipment works as well as like how your sport that you're shooting works as well so um yeah good luck let us know how it goes i guess you'll be asking another question next month and Hopefully, you will take these advice and make it into your own. Next one is from Simon West. Slightly different question this month. I put in a vertical panning shot the last uh, training round and we wanted to see a brighter version a bit wider and, and also crop close. So here's a wider version. Personally, I find a canopy over the stands above a bit, bis- bit distracting. So here's a tighter crop. I went vertical as that seemed to work better. Uh, next time I do this any suggestions on what uh, I should be attempting just for reference I shot this on 7200 with ND filter at around f8 and a shutter speed of fifth of a second I I, I like it much better when it's wider I, I just do I think it's a much there's so much going on and there's that stillness uh, of that guy in the middle is exaggerated because of the fact that there's so much is going on and that's in focus not all of it but the main parts are in focus i think it's it's good i like it it's a really i like it's a very very good shot it's very interesting it's very different and uh, i would rather actually like keep it that way and not crop it because i think if you crop it it just looks like a normal cropping um a normal panning shot but if you have it like the actual full frame you can see a lot of things that's going around him which is all blurry and you can see that like that guy in the middle is just still well not really still but like you know much more still than the other people and then i think it's good
1: yeah i don't think the canopy is really the the problem for me it's the light this i think this picture is a good proof of concept right i think that this is something that you can try a bunch of different times but i i think that there's a there's a ceiling on pictures when you don't have good light Right. There's really only so much you can do. You can, at that point, you can, you know, not for rugby or whatever, but if you were trying to do this on basketball, you could bring in strobes or something and try to do like the, the what is it, the rear curtain sink or something. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, there's a lot of things you can do uh, if you add light, but if you're just shooting under daylight or floodlights or something like that, you need better light than this because that's what's holding this picture back, not the canopy, not the crop or anything like that. It's just this really dull, overcast kind of light. And so what I would like to see is try this when there is better light or more directional light or something like that because it's a cool idea. It's a cool execution of it. I like the different motion. I also think that the wider one is better. Um, So, what you know, your assignment then... Is find a cleaner background and when you're in better light and try this picture again. That's that's what I would say.
0: But I could do a whole series of this. But like, yeah, I mean, well, you can basically try to figure out where you can ask, where you're gonna place the main subject. Is it gonna be in the center, to the left, to the right? Like Matt said, change the background. It's a quite a lot of things you can do. I definitely don't mind this whole vertical, you know, should thing. I anything. Mean, give it a go the last question of this month is michael k2 now he's version two he was one before but now he's two maybe it's like a fake michael k i don't know i recently shot a wrestling match i walked into a gym with cardinal red walls it's just that's like very red wall cardinal red wrestling mats that's like a red wrestling mat and you guessed it cardinal red uniforms it's all red very very red the skin tones of the wrestler and the whites of the opponent's uniform all took on a very strong red-pink cast. As a photographer, I should be your problem solver. I had and still have no idea on how to solve this particular problem on the spot or in post. What do you do if you walk into a color cast blizzard? I would probably ask Matt Cohen and say, indoors, horrible light, what do you do, Matt Cohen?
1: Well, you have to strobe it. Voila. You know, that. that's it. I mean, there's... So there are uh, lesser things that you can do, but really the answer is strobing it, right? I shoot in a few places that have problems like this. There's one spot where I shoot hockey in San Jose that has, uh, like, you know, they have LED boards that go all around. And I don't know what company it is, but some company has, like, very red coloring to whatever their ad that goes up on that board is. And it makes the... Mostly it comes up in the players' faces. It makes their faces like abnormally pink. And so at that point, there's a lot of white LED light. Um, They just redid the lights there. So I can just kind of desaturate the red a little bit and and it's close enough. But if you're shooting in a place where the dominant color is red, like where everything is, where you don't have the benefit of white ice and white LED lights and, you know, whatever else then you're desaturating that is going to be desaturating the whole picture. So relatively speaking, everything is still going to look red even if you desaturate it. The cause whatever adjustment you're going to make is you're going to make to everything. So that's why I'm saying that you have to you have to strobe it. You have to kind of go with the colors. And when you strobe it, it makes those colors that you, that's that are actually red more red and skin tones or whatever will be whatever their skin tone is. Um, oh, the other example where I shoot basketball, where Cal plays basketball, it's all yellow. Like the court is yellow and there's yellow all along the walls. And even though they have pretty good lights there, everything is reflecting off of yellow. So it just, it all looks bad. And the consistently the only person that gets clean pictures in there is the one who shoots for the team who has strobes. So even, you know, at, at major division one college sports they're still using strobes inside because that's really the only way to solve it wrestling if you can get the permission to do it should be the easiest thing in the world because it's a really defined space like you're not doing a whole gym or something like that you're really just doing what's going on in the middle of of the mat it should be easy to do with I don't know you can do it with one even speed light if it was off camera two or three would be better but you need to get comfortable doing stuff like that I think we have I think there's a post I did about how I strobe high school basketball with just speed lights and a couple light stands and some wireless triggers so that's that's really the answer I I wish that there was something you know magical in photoshop or whatever but when you have that dominant color and it's just bouncing off of everything you're you're really stuck that's just how it's going to be
0: and that kind of, no, it does actually wrap up everything for uh, pledge cues. Que- 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 if you want to ask us questions, uh, we are open to answering them every month. Um, Please go to our uh, Flickr group page, so flickr.com, slash, uh, search for Big Lens Fast Shutter, and you'll be able to actually find a thread that says something like uh, pledge cues questions, episode, blah, blah, blah. So the next one will be episode 77. That's it. And uh, the next section will be the last section. Um,
1: Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with... Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy.
0: And not much to um, really quiver with uh, the current, or well, this past uh, Super Bowl. The New England Patriots, led by Thomas Brady, won their 85th Super Bowl and the Los Angeles Rams lost. That's basically it. It wasn't a very good game. I even... Um, I missed it I woke up in the mor. I woke up in the morning I saw the highlights and it was enough like it was't really like not worth like five hours which was just like there wasn't definitely like you know absolutely necessary TV or sports uh, event viewing thing it really wasn't and as you can imagine, the images that uh, came out of this uh, really big event where they have a lot of people watching it all over the world and yeah were very bad. Matt knows this guy who does uh, most of the time. What? What does he do? Oh yeah, motorsports. Well, he, he does everything.
1: He he specializes in motorsports, but he shoots yeah. everything. So he and and we've had him we've had him as a guest, and we've looked at his pictures before. It's Mark Rebellis. Uh He's from Arizona in the U.S. Just I just happened to come across this picture. I hadn't seen it published, but I know that it was published pretty widely. So again, uh, big games like this, like I was talking about the All Star Game earlier the super bowl is just a disaster of access because you have all these people on the sidelines like at a normal game but it's you know times 10 because it's a super bowl and a lot of people have to shoot from you know shooting from shooting football from the tv camera positions in the in the stands it's really bad so it looks like mark was on the field and he got this picture of Julian Edelman who was the mvp of the game this is just one of those pictures where This is how it's supposed to be. You know, we see a lot of things like, oh, yeah, that's cool or whatever. But very rarely do you see one picture that tells the story like this one picture does. The Patriots won yet another Super Bowl. They won, you know, in a really unconventional kind of way for them, like not a very high scoring game, tons of defense. And the the MVP was a guy who was a seventh round draft pick who was a quarterback in college who now plays wide receiver. And I don't know how he did this because I was watching it was it was really hilarious. Like the I said this uh on Twitter while the game or after the game, that the post-game scrum was better than the game was itself. Like it was definitely more exciting watching the reporters try to get to Tom Brady to interview him and Belichick and whatever. It was just absolute pandemonium. And sideline reporter for CBS had her mic live the whole time. So you could hear her getting jostled around and telling people to get out of her way because, you know, she, as the rights holder, they have the first crack at whoever they want to interview and they wanted to interview Brady. So it was just a disaster. There were just, you know, probably a couple thousand people on the field while this was all going on. I don't know how he did this. I I guess we should probably talk to him at some point, but he managed to get a very clean picture of the MVP of the Super Bowl basically by himself, and he did everything right. You know, he got low. It's a wide picture. I'm guessing 14 to 24 here. Confetti in the air and this guy bending down, looking very, very pleased that, you know, that he did this. And, you know, I guess there's a little bit of, is this real kind of going on here? But just the way that it's composed and the way everything is going on and and how important of a picture it is given the fact that it is, again, the Super Bowl and he's a very unlikely Super Bowl MVP. There's just a lot of weight on this picture and he pulled this off exactly as well as he possibly could have.
0: I like to take pictures from quite low angle most of the time because it's just kind of how I always envisioned like pictures to be when you're shooting it from an angle that normal people actually don't get to see it or even like the tv you don't get to really see it and he gets down very very low and that kind of gives you like a bit of a like a grand type of i don't know like look to the whole thing even if you don't know what was happening you kind of like get like an idea of like what is going on i mean if someone said like oh does he look sad because he just looks like he just lost the game you could but you could actually like also just kinda of tell like there is something going on and and that really is the fact that the photographer was there for the right moment. And he actually just like he didn't take it just from the front, you know, like not like straight up. He took it from an angle. So there is that whole, you know, the the what's the ticker tape thing? What is it called? It's the ticker tape. Yeah. Confetti. The confetti and then, you know, just like this whole atmosphere that he got. And that is you know, that's what you really need from these these things. You need to kind of like just be able to actually tell a story and you did exactly that. And in an event like this, like I don't know how it is with Super Bowl, but it usually is like for any big finals for a very big sporting event, it's very difficult to get closer to the um the players. Especially like of one who won the M V P for the uh, for the game, like you they usually get mobbed and everything. But if you ever get to shoot any sort of like event where it is a final um and there is a big winner and a big loser these are the type of shots that you really have to go looking for because it needs to be able to actually tell you don't be always thinking in your head like i need to be able to actually tell a story of what just happened in a single image and these are uh, type of images that yeah you should be uh aiming to take
1: a couple more things about this first of all i guarantee you that he's happier about this picture than any action picture that he made during the game there's No question, I would bet every single cent that I had on it that this is the picture that he's most proud of from this game, and it's not an action picture, right? The other thing is that this picture is timeless. You're going to be, people will be looking at this picture in 50 years, just like we look at the pictures of, you know, like Muhammad Ali celebrating or whatever. This is a Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl MVP, somebody, again, who was like a seventh round draft pick or whatever, and it's a perfect picture. And then the other thing that I'll say is look on the right of it. Um, hopefully, everybody will, will actually look at this picture that we're talking about. It'll be linked on the blog post for the, for the podcast episode. But look at the guy, the still photographer, who's on the left side of the frame. This is the difference between history and nothing. This is the lens that you have to go to to do this. You cannot just walk around and shoot what you see. You have to be crafting the picture. And so that guy who's on the other side, his picture is gonna be nothing. It's gonna be a joke compared to this, compared to anything. This is where you have to be. And this picture, you know, part of what makes this picture such a good tool for teaching is look how low it was. The camera was literally on the ground, aiming up when he did this. If this picture was not even just straight on as in having half of him on one side and half of him on the other side, you know, like literally straight on, but if it had been higher up, even like if it had been like at shoulder level or something like that, it wouldn't have been as good. It had to be this low so that you had more of the sky and more of the confetti in there. Like, look at that. Sorry. Look at that piece of the red confetti that's up in the upper right. Like all of those things are working to make this a great picture. And then you compare and contrast that with the guy who's just standing shooting at his eye level at somebody who's on the ground who's, you know, like three quarters behind him, that's the difference. This is what you need to do to get this done. And I still don't know how he did it because he, the, you know, you would think that he would have been mobbed at this time, but whatever he did was the right thing and this picture is perfect.
0: And there you have it. That it's that's it really for cross We actually couldn't find anything else that was good from Super Bowl. And this is only one like if you just search for like Super Bowl 2019 photos you can see how shit the pictures are and that's why we've had a very difficult time actually finding anything so sorry out of all the photos that were taken in the super bowl this is the one that this is really the only one that we can possibly like talk about so i apologize on behalf of all the shitty photographers out there that's it so i guess see you next month yes And with that, we end the 76th episode of Big Lens, Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with 2Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us better yet. Do that and subscribe to our blog at biglens.shutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more and you can send us money uh, by going to patreon.com b-l-f-s and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com b-l-f-s to recap Patreon, Facebook, and subscribe to our website. And we have Twitter as well. Runes Repeat, love us more. See you next month.